Hello and welcome to the Surprisingly Music Podcast. I'm Taryn. I'm Trevor. And today we will be talking about the Dr. Feelgood album. This is a podcast where we alternate around who's picking the album. One week it's you, next week it's me. Then we draw a modern album out of the hat. Because apparently we don't listen to modern music. We really don't. And this episode is an attest- uh, uh, a testament? I don't know words. It's a <laughs> testament to that. Uh, Dr. Feelgood by Molly Crew, the 1989 glam metal album. This was Mootly Crew. <laughs> Mootly Crow. <laughs> <laughs> um, this was my album pick, but we are mm-hmm. both... Pretty good Motley Crue fans. I'd say you're a bigger Motley Crue fan than I. Yeah, I would say I am, but like you, you listen to them. Like oh yeah, you, you'd put "Kickstart yeah. My Heart" on on your own accord. Like I wouldn't have to be tugging on your leg to get you to put it on or touch your leg. Uh, <laughs> I don't tug on my leg. <laughs> All right, so um, yep, this is the 1989 um their biggest album. Is this their biggest album? Oh, yeah. It's the only one to reach number one, and it's the highest sales out of all their albums, which I'm kind of not surprised. It, it makes sense, because this has, like, I'd say three of, like, the songs that I know them for. Yeah. Obviously, you have other ones, like, Shout at the Devil, that's not on this album. It's yeah. Shout. Girls, Girls, Girls. Girls, Girls, Girls is another good song. And Home Sweet Home is on the... Uh, Home Sweet Home, and we'll talk about it, because yeah. I have notes about Home Sweet Home yeah. on this album. Home Sweet Home is probably the probably the best 80s power ballad. It's the only good 80s power ballad. Yes, you're right. Yeah. You and everyone right. felt the need to, to do it, too, because they were like, that's really good. I can also slow it down, only have like a piano, and use my 80s hair metal voice and be super good, too. Yeah. And it's like, no, it's because they're good. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So right. Motley Crue, who are they? Um, for some reason, for years, I thought Nikki Six was the guitarist. Oh no, he's the bassist. He's the bassist. Mick Mars and, yeah, is the guitarist. Mick Mars is the guitarist. I was like, oh, they they have the three guys: Vince Neil, Nikki Six, Tommy Lee, and then they have some no name playing the other instrument. And like, no, no, it's Mick Mars. And I was like, oh yeah, fucking Mick Mars. Yeah, and also the the no name is usually the bassist. I mean, yeah, it's pa- weird. Panic at the Disco, Brendan Yuri, Ryan Ross. Spencer Smith. Is that his name? <laughs> you would <laughs> the know. The drummer? I don't fucking know. You would And know. then the bassist, who recently got in trouble for... I think he had possession of... I don't want to I don't say. I don't want to fuck it up. But he got arrested for something recently and it made headlines. It's like something bad. Yeah. I want to say something amphetamines, like but like, I oh, don't I know thought that for like sure. Child porn. Oh, no, no, no. It was drug-related. Drug oh. Anyway, so... Um, yep, yeah, those are the names of the four boys. They actually fucking hated each other when recording this record. Couldn't stand to be in the room this together. this is their fourth album? I don't know about that. I think I, it's their third or fourth album. Let's find out. And so, um, the producer of the album actually forced them to record the album, like, separately. Like, he... Uh, one, two, three, four, five, fifth album. Fifth album. Um, he forced them to record separately, which for the era, super uncommon. You know, like. But honestly, when you listen to it, and then because the Spotify version has some demos that yeah. I listened to, um, I think it helped. 
Oh yeah. Because it like do your thing, do it at your best, and then we can put it all the, together and I mean that's it. why that is like the, the studio the standard of today. So Motley Crue set the standard. Um yeah, by hating each other and being just unbearable to work with Let, in a group. Let's be honest though, <laughs> when it when like you start becoming big, especially after your second and third album. Yeah. If you're still together by then, that is a show of force. Like, yeah, that means you guys really love each other. I mean, when did when did the first member of Panic at the Disco leave? Um, after the second album. After the second album. Yeah. So, then, five to six years of playing together. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this is they're probably like twenty years deep. At this you get point. together and you start playing with each other because you know you're best friends and you love the music, and then the fame sets in and the money and all this yeah. stuff and. The and ego definitely. The ego definitely sets in because because unfortunately, if this podcast ever blows up, people are gonna you're they're gonna have your fans and they're gonna have my fans, and yeah. I don't look forward to that. Yeah, people who uh, who just like, like Trevor sucks. The official God, I hate po- the, yeah. I would say the official podcast that's fifty fifty on Andrew and Kaya. Oh yeah, every like, yeah. Well, Jackson's just lovable, and every everyone's there because of Charlie. Yeah, so and then Andrew and Kaya are, are, are either like, no, no, Andrew provides good content, and Kaya's fun to listen to arguing. Then other people like it's fucking cringe and they're annoying. Give me more Charlie. Ninety nine percent of the time I hate Kaya, and seventy five percent of the time I hate Andrew. On yeah, the podcast. So just the way that Andrew yeah, like, talks is so narcissistic and egotistical, but that's another podcast. Yeah. Like, no, like if people ever start listening because we are so different, like to us, like, you know, like as individuals, like we hang out all the time. So it's like, we, we already know each other. We're accustomed to each other, but we are pretty different. So I could see why people would just be like, fuck Taryn or fuck Trevor. Yeah. Because the way they like the other. We're yin and yang. Some yeah. people are racist and some people are all inclusive. <laughs> which am I? <laughs> we all know which one you are. Yeah, if you have to ask. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. So um Nikki Six actually wrote the album right after getting sober. So he started that, the band. Yeah. Um so this album actually came after sobriety, which is weird because I feel like it still has all of the party elements. Like, you know, so <laughs> it it, it's, kind, it's kind of singing about like, well, writing music about what you know, but what you're not actually doing <laughs> because he had just recently had a heart attack, uh, a drug induced heart attack where he was declared dead and then they revived him with adrenaline shots. Jesus. And then Vince Neil's car crash happened. Yeah. Then they wrote and recorded this album. So, was this was this um, album recording portrayed in that Netflix movie The Dirt? I think it was because yeah. I remember that there yeah. was a, a, a they were recording an album where they all fucking hated each other. I'm pretty sure that's this one, and they had the car crash in the movie, right? Yeah, yeah, they yeah. did. Yeah, they did. Yeah. yeah, that was a good movie. That oh, was honestly, yeah. I I did not watch that movie for like a year after it came out because I thought it was going to be shit. I think you said that it was really good, and I watched it, and it was one of the best like music. Um, I say biopic. Yeah, that's what I would, that's the um, word I would go with. But some with people too. say biopic. Oh, oh, I thought you meant like it would you choose a different word. No, people say biopic. I say biopic because it just yeah. sounds cool. Biopic, it, yeah, it's, it's a biographical biographical picture. Well, it also just sounds like two separate words. Yeah, like biopic it, it, is just it cool. is two separate words, but like biopic sounds yeah. like bio. We need to invent new words. Yeetist elitist. <laughs> 
fetus delete us. <laughs> I'm going to fetus delete us and then yeetus delete us. <laughs> um, All right. So, um, so this was album. this was also Vince's last album until 97 when he came back to do the, uh, what's the name of that album? Generation Swine. And the self-titled Motley Crue album in the middle there was recorded by someone else. As singer. Yeah, a different singer. And I think a different drummer. They had a couple different drummers until Tommy Lee came back in the early 2000s. Now, I don't know jack shit about that. <laughs> yeah, I always get Tommy Lee and Tommy Lee Jones mixed up. <laughs> one's banging porn stars and Pamela Anderson. One's not. <laughs> yeah, there's the Motley Crue drummer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, this is their last good album. I could agree with that most of the way, yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, the self-titled is really good. A lot of people sleep on it because it's not Vince Neil. And it's like, yeah, it's not, but it's still a really good album. Yeah. There are literally thousands of great albums without Vince Neil. Like, you're just upset that's a Motley Crue album without Vince Neil. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So you're like, listen, listen to the music for the music. Don't listen to the music and be like, well, this isn't Motley Crue. It's like, well, yeah. Motley Crue is what they decided to be. Just like this podcast is what we decided to be. Yeah. And you all can go fuck yourself. Just And people who complain today, it's not, it's not Panic at the Disco anymore. I think they're better. Yeah. <laughs> I would say Actually, I Pray for say the Wicked better. was a step back down, but... Yes, the... Death of a Bachelor was their pinnacle. Um, the album before that... Too Weird to Live. Too Weird to Die. Is good. Is good. Really good. Um, Vices and Virtues is really good. Vices and Virtues is a great album. That's an album that you're like... You start... Like, for me, I start listening to it, and I'm just like, oh, fuck, I forgot. Like, all these songs are on this album. Yeah. Mona Lisa. Um... Sarah smiles. Yeah. Um, let's kill tonight. Yeah. Fucking three bangers of songs. Yeah. That's the supernatural of albums. The early seasons of supernatural. Yeah. Cause you forget how fucking good <clears throat> they were. Yeah. You forget about like the bank robbery episode. Yeah. All right. Let's get into, let's the, get into the Motley get, crew. Yeah. Dr. Feel good. Um, so, so the first f- album, first, song. first album, <laughs> uh, first song is TNT. Terror in Tinseltown. So this is just an intro song. Yeah, just it's nothing up. really. It's it, it's nothing super important other than the it sets the tone for the album. Yeah, I don't like the the um, police chatter in the back half of it. Yeah, but the the guitar in the first like ten seconds is just like here we go, yeah. Motley Crew. That is yeah. Motley Crew. Yeah, it's very like kind of cinematic in a way of like yeah. just like kind of like setting the scene almost. Yeah. Yeah. And then so and then it how do you feel about intro tracks? Cuz I feel like we've had a bunch of them now. We and really like, have and I feel interlude like, tracks and whatnot. I feel like 50% at least 50% of the albums we've done have had those and I don't have they I feel like they they ever improved an album for you. They've never improved an album, but I feel like they've made the transitions more smooth. So it feels like the album is more cohesive. More like it's one overarching thing. Well, yeah, and it just kind of glues them, glues the whole thing together. But that also kind of detracts from it too, because we live in a society that <laughs> you just wanted to say it. We live in a society that it's it's all about the the the, the single, the singles. Yeah. So albums, I don't think, are a big thing anymore. Um, yeah. Obviously, they're still putting them out. Um, yeah. But you know, it's 
That's not for, the... for an album. I I'm I'm liking it. Okay. I'm 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 liking it. All right. So then we got the main star of the show, Doctor Feelgood, of the Doctor Feelgood album. Doctor Feelgood. The um, I I mean, it's their top number three one most, Motley Crue song. Number one most listened to song. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's their. This is their song. This is yeah. the Motley Crue song. Doctor Feelgood. It starts out with that. That classic drum riff, and then the the guitar with like the 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 uh, whammy yeah uh, tremolo effect on it. You're like, oh fuck, here we go. Like, it's yeah. such a great song. Um, listening to it, you know, I, one thing I I appreciate about Motley Crue, um, after especially after learning that Mick, I remember that Mick Mars was their. Uh, guitarist Nikki six is good on bass oh yeah oh man he's, he's super really talented good. yeah like you can really hear it um just fucking like yeah go it's, and then it's got some like fun funk to it and stuff where it's yeah like yeah the, it's it's a little bit funky in this song and then compared with mick mars's guitar you know the yeah dun, dun, yeah it's it's like the it's like they're they're like making love Mick Mars and Nikki Six. Their instruments are making it, love. It's like he's a really talented rhythm guitarist with a really down tuned. Yeah. Guitar. No, that's what it is. And honestly, until I started listening to this over and over again for the last few days, I always thought that it was the guitar that was doing that whole intro riff, but it's actually not. It's them. It's the dun 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 dun. That's the bass, yeah. and then eh, eh, that's the guitar. Yeah. I was like. I always thought it was the guitars. Just, just one. Just one, yeah. Because yeah. I thought they had, they down tuned the top strings, and because that's what they do. Most of this album is down tuned. Yeah. Um, except for the fucking acoustic parts. Um. But this is a classic rock and roll song. Yeah. I, they're heavy metal, but this is hard. I rock. would say this whole album was very much inspired by like stadium rock music yes at that time like the aerosmiths and whatnot oh like, there's who heavy aerosmith who influence. appears on this album they do yeah uh they do backing vocals on a few of the songs because they were in the studio at the same time you'll have to show me which one because we'll talk about it, when we get uh, to it i have uh, notes on which ones oh it's multiple uh two um, so we're talking I, about I Steven little, Tyler? I did a little research there. <laughs> Steven Tyler was in yeah. it? Oh. Yeah, because he was uh, always partying with the band. But yeah, sense. so the song, classic. Vince's voice, amazing. Oh, it's iconic. Amazing. Like, the second you just, like, hear it, you're just like, God damn, that's then, what's up. But that's also, I, I see what, because what, this kind of set the tone. This is their most listened to song. This is their biggest song. You listen to it. Anyone else sings a song, it's not right. Oh, yeah. Like, so I, that's where I get where people are coming from. Like, oh, it's not Motley Crue. Yeah. But it's not the Motley Crue you want to listen to. Yeah. You know? No, like, that, like, high, sh- like, nasally kind of shrill, but, like, super, like, powerful that's, fucking vocal. I wanted to talk to you about that, because you, you hear it in all of his songs. There's one song where he does something completely different and it just doesn't work. Um, <laughs> uh, but... Yeah, how does he make that noise? Dude, I don't fucking know. It sounds like he's singing like up in the back, up part of his mouth, and out his nose. 
Yeah. But also it, from his chest. It's got like a lot of hard palate on it, which is arguably wrong technique, but most rock singing is wrong technique. That's why it sounds good. Um, oh. Well, no, because like good technique is like the open throat, like kind of sounds. Choir. And it's like. Like choir sounds. Yeah. It's like, okay, you classically trained cunts. No one cares. <laughs> well, like, I think someone that is a. <clears throat> music person told me that like celine dion sings incorrectly yeah like and she's one of the most renowned singers for her voice and ariana grande is in a similar boat mm-hmm. they she sings incorrectly yeah uh brendan yuri um his vibrato is everything music teachers tell you not to do you're not supposed to, like, t- tighten your jaw and, like, make vibrato. You're supposed to let your, like, breath naturally do it. And he forces vibrato, and it sounds amazing. Like, he does oh, it incredibly. Yeah. Well, yeah, because he's had a lot of practice doing it that way. Okay. <laughs> so what you're saying is if you practice the wrong way, you'll still do it the right way. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, he doesn't have the same sort of vibrato that Sinatra or yeah. or Mercury has but he's up there. Yeah. Like, he's up there. Yeah. I mean, and his live performances are fucking incredible, and he's pulling that off. I'd yeah. say even better than on the recording from what I've heard. Yeah. Um, but yeah. But yeah, so anyway, uh, Dr. Feelgood, it's about uh, Nikki Six's old dealer getting him his fix. Nothing really too... So it is about heroin. Yeah, nothing really too deep there. It's pretty on the surface. Which I do like about a lot of their music is they're just like, here's what our song is about. Oh, <laughs> let's... F- fuck metaphors, man. <laughs> yeah, like the next song. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Slice of your pie. <laughs> what is that about, Taryn? Um... <laughs> Maybe went down to a diner? <laughs> it's about pussy pie. <laughs> Which is funny because... Um... You know that dolphin that's on uh, the Rob Deerdick's um, Ridiculousness? Uh, Channel West Coast. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, there's a dolphin. Now. Yeah, that fucking dolphin. Yeah. She laughs okay. like a fucking dolphin. Um, she, uh, she, I remember, <laughs> yeah, it's worse than that. Um, she had a, a, I remember when I was a fucking teenager, I saw Fantasy Factory and she had a. a I um, thought you were going to say fan art. Or maybe it was Ridiculousness. Um she has a song because she's a rapper uh, called "Eat My Cookie." There, there's two things wrong with that. One, why does she rap? <laughs> well, that's why she's famous. Really? I thought she was just famous for being Rob Deerdick's friend. Well, uh, yeah, but then you know, like that's not enough. So you wouldn't go yeah. be a, ra- a rapper. Yeah, sometimes just... doing porn isn't enough, and you want to start a rap career. Riley. Oh, Riley Reed? Yeah. 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 Go look that up. <laughs> yeah, look up Riley Reed rapping. It's truly astounding. Yeah. Um That is. Um but yeah. Yeah, eat my cookie, slice yeah. of your pie. Um yeah. those are about eating pussy. Yeah. Um So we're talk we've gotten we've gone heroin <clears throat> and eating pussy so far. Yeah. Um, so this is definitely the slow tempoed, kind of hard hitting, sexy sound that Molly Crew brings to the party a lot this one yeah i can see that the the opening bit had like a very ted nugent vibe for me yeah you know like that uh 
weird northern rock. I don't know what to call it. Northern yeah. alt-right rock. <laughs> that fucking piece of shit, Ted Nugent. Uh, <laughs> this is the surprisingly talking shit podcast. What? Ted Nugent's going to come and shoot me with one of his guns. Actually, he can't because I'm not trapped inside a fence. <laughs> what? He's one of those fucking yeah. uh, fence hunters, whatever they're called. Um, Big fence hunters. I don't fucking know. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> fuck Ted Nugent. Yeah. None of his music. I can is agree good. with that. None of his music is good. Um, but I like this song. Yeah, no, it's a really good song. The solo was fucking dope. Oh, it my was like God. it was like a solo that needed to be there. It wasn't like a look at how talented I am at guitar and it, watch me do an insane solo. It's it just fit like really well. Yeah, yeah, it fit really well. I I was really. <clears throat> Yeah, uh, I was really into it. Like I was like, "Yeah, here we go. That's it. Yeah. That is what this song needed." Dude, um, I fucking love Tommy Lee's drum intro, though. Oh the yeah, butterada, butterada. Yeah, and it just fucking slaps after that. Yeah, like he's, dude. Like, um, I'm pretty sure like there wasn't like sampling and stuff. I don't think that was a thing in this era, but it sounds sampled. Like all of his hits are super consistent. Like, every hit of the bass drum is, like, a 100. Every time he hits down on it, it's just... Dum, 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 and it's like, god damn. Like, he is just a super intense drummer where he is smacking everything. Oh, yeah. It, it, it just sounds, like, so fucking big. It's fucking insane. No, um, yeah. It, you're yeah. right. He's 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 going intense into it. Um, He, uh... <coughs> He's a great fucking drummer. Oh yeah, I think he kind of kind of goes under the radar. Yeah, because he doesn't do anything flashy. No, he plays that's the, the music. thing. Is, is he's like he's like um, with the White Stripes. Meg White did what she needed to do. It was nothing. <clears throat> yeah. Crazy though. He's doing exactly what he needs to do, and making it as perfect as possible. As perfect as possible and dense. Like there's there's substance to it. Yeah. Everything it has meaning. You know, the, the just, it's, it's just exactly what it needs to be while not, um, being overly flashy, but not being just barely enough. Like with, with the white stripes. Yeah. It's hard rock enough. Yeah. Um, and when you listen to this album, like you see the influence of modern metal. Yeah. This is a very... The band itself, but I think this album is very influential to modern metal. Yeah. From from the chugging on some of these songs on the guitar, yeah, uh, and then and then his drum fills uh, and just the way he does it, because mm-hmm. most metal isn't flashy on the drums. Um, some some genres it'll be fast, but it'll by by no means be. It's like, not flashy. Yeah, it's what it needs to be. Yeah, but it's not flashy. Yeah, and, and it's crazy skillful. But it's like no, that's what the music. That's what this song takes to get it made, and that it's not out of place. Yeah, flashy is almost out of place. Yeah, like you know, it's N- like, Neil Peart is flashy. Rest is, rest in peace. But like, uh. Rush. I never liked Rush. Yeah. Like, because their drumming is definitely, like, all over the place at some parts where it's like, all right, dude, I get it. <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're super talented. I believe you. Um, but, yeah, so I personally love the, like, 
over sexy womanizer side of Molly Crew. <laughs> like it, it is so fun to listen to. Um because like Motley Crue also kind of like sparked an era. Well, they like just started the whole like movement of like dudes that can just wear fucking gay looking shit like a leopard print shirt. But because they're such badass womanizers, like what the fuck are you going to say to them? Like, Is that what you're going for? Oh, oh, you're looking like some sort of uh, homosexual. All right, cool. I just got done banging like eight porn stars on my tour bus. What the fuck are you talking about? Were they male porn stars? Oh, yeah, buddy. Yeah, they were. All right, cool. Your insult really is going to get to me now. Says the dude wearing a cheetah print shirt. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. I know. Yeah, no. Um, Like, they definitely changed rock and metal fashion, which is both a good and a bad, because then we ended up with fucking shit shows like Kiss. Um, no, Kiss was in the 70s. Kiss was before them. Yeah. Uh, well, this either way, seventies. F- fuck Kiss. Kiss was awful. They look so metal, but mm. ah, wanna rock and roll on? Yeah. What is that horse shit? It's awful. Yeah. Like, like I just don't understand Kiss. <laughs> like I, they, have you like ever like seen the like interactions of like their super fans and stuff like that? Like they're pe- awful. They're the worst. Yeah. Yeah. Just like. <laughs> It's all these mid forty fucking tubs of shit <laughs> who are obsessed with them, and then have like the dude, the dolls. Dude, like I'd let my I'd let Gene Simmons bang my wife. That's weird. Yeah, it's that's pretty, weird. Weird. <laughs> but yeah, so this song, not sure if you noticed it, the ending is inspired by "She's So Heavy" by the Beatles. I want you. I was gonna. Say, I that was literally in my notes. Is the way that it it, it drags down the. And then the the Beatles song has a little fill, uh, and it fades out. And I was like, "This sounds exactly like I want you." She's so heavy. Yeah. Off so the yeah. Abbey Road album. It was directly inspired by and ripped off from the Beatles. Yes, <laughs> they cited it as like an like it was a reference. Like yeah, it, it wasn't like they were like, "Oh, we made this riff." No, yeah, we yeah. just yeah. <laughs> it wasn't uh, yeah. um, it wasn't vanilla ice and under pressure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. All right. So up next, we got the rattlesnake shake. Rattlesnake shake. What is this? A ghost wolf song? <laughs> <laughs> you know, actually, they ripped off the ghost wolves for the song. <laughs> <laughs> um. So rattlesnake shake. Right off the bat, with that guitar, <laughs> it's giving me some Leonard Skinner vibes. Yeah, and not in a good way for me. Oh, for a good way for me. It's giving me... I'm really digging it. Um, one thing that this song started making me think is you got Dr. Feelgood, Slice Your Pie, Rattlesnake, Shake. Yeah. They're all <clears throat> the same vibe, you yeah. know? They're all the same vibe, but they, they're not cookie cutter. They're all their own... They're, they're same songs, you know? Yeah. That show you this is motley crew without being repetitive they're all different but they're getting the same message across yeah it's like a, a good way that i would put it yeah it just really like kind of drives the point home how like in on their sound they are where like they can make anything but it still sounds like them like because their like style is so distinct like they can just like 
pull something completely out of left field, but still sounds like Molly Crew because like they have just such that vibe to them. Yeah. Where yeah, it really just probably makes writing for them significantly easier that they're like never worried like, "Ooh, I don't think the fans will like this. It's not Motley Crew enough." It's like, "No, it's Motley Crew enough because you have that voice, that bass, that drums and that guitar." Like it's yeah. just such a you sound. The, this song though I really like. It's just a fun <laughs> song. I the the intro is not the is not like a portrait of the rest of the song. I feel like the song for you I feel like it, it will get better. Does it get better for you? Yeah, it gets better. Okay. Yeah, yeah I knew yeah. That, I I figured you were going to like the Leonard Skinner sound of the yeah. intro, but they they kind of <clears throat> jump out of that real quick and get into yeah. their own kind of like a version. It's it's like um the the YouTubers who do covers mm-hmm. of like you know like if I write says not tragedy was a country song and they yeah, do it dude I love that they guy. do it better than if you know Panic at the Disco did a country song yeah because you know, because they actual musicians like Brendan Urie would try and cover the song and make it sound as much like the original as possible yeah well that guy is making this song sound like a country song yeah and I feel make like it this sound is... like it was never written to begin with. And then a country guy wrote that song. Yeah, and then this is like them <clears throat> writing a Leonard Skinner song. I, I can definitely. This is see their that, take yeah. on it. This is like heavy metal Southern rock, and I fucking love it. Um, so pretty fucking... much the main drawback for the song of for me, like I like the song overall, strong six out of ten, but um, w- the lyrics are just so fucking dorky in oh, my yeah. opinion. For, <laughs> it's for the such for the dumb lyrics. <laughs> The rattle shake snake. The rattle snake shake. <laughs> it's so basic, but yeah. that's there. There's like, a blues. I expect this to be played at every dive bar across the country. Oh yeah, this yeah. is this is played like, right after Sweet Home Alabama. Yeah, this this is like the, the dive bar song. The, the um, what is it? Is it like <clears throat> trumpets or horns or something at the end? I cannot get into. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's like the dun, 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 dun. I like that. I just cannot get into. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, no, I think it's a great song. You said 6 out of 10. I mean, I, I know we don't really yeah, rate, rate the songs, rate the songs own, but... but I would say that for me this is a 7 out of 10. Okay. This is I mean, <clears throat> this album is honestly fucking loaded. Yeah. So I I feel bad for the song because it's surrounded by four fucking bangers. Like it's up next is kickstart my heart. It's Which just like, I didn't even put any notes. I'm like, this is the one. Yeah. It's like the it's, one that song, uh, rattlesnake shake is just surrounded by greatness. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, it's like being Mick Mars, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you're surrounded by greatness, man. You're good. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a good song. I, I, it fits in with the album so far and I'm, and I'm happy with it. So yeah, the one, the, the only kickstart my heart. heart. Oh. <laughs> oh, kickstart that baby. Oh man. Um, fun fact, did you know the song originally was not gonna be on the album? Why? Um it Nikki Six wrote it about his dying and resuscitation. Uh the adrenaline shot kickstarted <laughs> his heart. And he felt the song was too personal and the guys wouldn't like it, so he didn't make it. 
And then the producer saw the notes for the song and was like, hey, what the fuck's that about? And he's like, oh, it's just a song I was working on. Like, I don't want to put on the album. And he looked over it. He was like, no, this needs to go on the album. Like, this is great. There's a demo version on this on the Spotify album, and I listened to it, and you're like, yeah, I could hear someone listening to this in the in the studio going, this is fucking great. We need to perfect this. Yeah. And then you listen to this, the version that everyone knows, and it is perfection. Yeah. This is my favorite Motley Crue song. Yeah. It is the most, like, biker, badass, cool guy. That opening riff, how he did that with the guitar... It's just like, yeah. It's just, yeah. Iconic. You hear that and you're just like, oh, <laughs> fuck. That's what I, that's bar what, fight. Bar fight. Yeah. That's, <laughs> oh, that would be a good fucking song for a bar fight in the movie. Yeah. Oh, that's, if that yeah. hasn't happened, that's got to happen. Yeah. It's probably an expensive studio decision. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck if they yeah. fucking Kingsman had a Leonard Skinner song in there. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, the quick, church uh, scene. The church scene. Yeah. Um, then fucking <clears throat> Fox used uh, Sweet Dreams for the Quicksilver scenes. Yeah. And X Men, the only good scenes in those X Men movies. Yeah. Um, I, I can agree with that. <laughs> um, but that would be a great fucking song. This song, like. <laughs> obviously Nikki six wrote it because he's, he, he definitely knows what it feels like to get fucking adrenaline pumped into your fucking heart. And this is what this song feels like. Yeah. Um, like that. I mean, I obviously I don't know for sure, but that's what it sounds like to me that you hear this fucking song, dude. I remember when I was 21 and I was planning my, uh, trip out East on my motorcycle. I was making a Spotify playlist and get what the, guess what the first song was on that fucking album or the playlist kickstart my fucking heart i was really hoping you were gonna be like seven nation army but kickstart my heart was second <laughs> I, I can't listen to seven nation army you, you can't I, I i can't it's I, it's i can understand that same way i don't listen to i write since not tragedies yeah i don't listen to that song anymore yeah either. well uh, it's not their biggest song anymore but it's oh, like oh no yeah um but when it comes on i'm just like okay oh Imagine, um, but no, the nice thing about Kickstart My Heart is like, I doubt they did it as a marketing move, but it does perfectly blend their hair metal glam sound and the stadium rock sound for like metal that is super accessible to everyone. Like, yes. Like it wasn't, I don't think it was like a, all right, we need, you know, like we need to pull it back on the metal a bit so more people listen to it. Like, I don't think that was a decision, but that's what the song ended up being. Like, and it's fucking perfect for it. It's like, I don't know anyone who dislikes this song. Like... Old grandmas. Okay, that's fair, but, like... Who didn't like it when it came out. Yeah. <laughs> they still looking at it like his devil worship music. When it's, like, really personal. <clears throat> um... But yeah, the f this fucking song, just musically, is perfect. You get the fucking guitar, then you get Tommy Lee's drums coming in, just da, 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 and then the, you know, the, he's just getting fucking into it. Yeah. And then, oh, it just all blends in perfectly, and then, you know. Yeah, nothing's out of place. Like, nothing it's just, is out of place. Everything was so, like, tightly cohesive. Where it was Especially like, for them not being in the studio. Yeah. 
which also just is a nod to how great their producer is. Uh, fuck. I oh, had, I'm sorry. I had his name somewhere. I forget. Him. Well, I mean, like producers it, apparently make good music. Yeah. Then they, why do they just become part of the band? Why don't you just have a vocalist, a drummer, a guitarist, a bassist, and a producer? Do you know why the producers aren't part of the band? It's because they know they're fucking basement dwelling dorks who would never make it in the music scene because i would say music is 30 percent skill 70 percent like you concentrated power of will five percent pleasure 15 percent pain and 100 percent reason to remember the fucking name like i would say takashi 69 has very minimal talent (laughs) i would say most modern mumble rap garbage has minimal talent but because they're these personalities and they look the way they do, he has silly rainbow hair and tons of tattoos. That is why people listen to him. Oh, he's so relatable. It's, it's branding. What? It's branding. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're more of a brand than they are an artist. Yeah. That's why this this dude probably has like fucking glasses and like shitty facial hair, probably like 140 pounds. Six foot tall, just fucking weird, lanky ass looking motherfucker. He knows he's not a rock star, but he knows he can make great rock music. So he becomes a producer. <laughs> it's like a dude who's not tall enough to play basketball. So he becomes a coach. All right. <laughs> You're not wrong. And they're instrumental really into winning championships. <laughs> yeah. Just he's sitting there like, man, I really understand this game. Only I could touch the rim. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, um, this so is this is the best Motley Crue song. It's my favorite off the album. Perfect. Yeah, it's, this this song. It, it's like you just you listen to this album and you, you got Doctor Feel Good, Slice of Your Pie, Rattlesnake Shake, and then Kickstart My Heart. And you're like, oh fuck, I don't know if I can take anymore. This is just like it's just like eating <laughs> a whole cake. You're like, it's a whole pie. It's not just the slice. It's the whole pie. <laughs> Could you imagine a pussy tasting like pie? I would never do anything else. <laughs> oh, no. I'd be kind of thrown off. I'd be like, did, did she, like, put something down here to, like... Well, no, but if it was, like, normal. If like, that, that was, was just, normal. like, you've always known that. But it was just, like... But I it always just like sweet tooth. <laughs> <laughs> what would be your favorite flavor? Apple. I'm not one of an apple. I'd probably go for a pumpkin. Go for the basic white bitches. <laughs> it changes with the seasons. <laughs> oh, God. Is it, it ref- is it, it fall? Ref- it reflects your diet. Is it fall time? It tastes like pumpkin spice. <laughs> Are we going to get 14 more days of winter? <laughs> <laughs> oh. yep, still tastes like gingerbread. Oh my god. Too much allspice in there. Oh, that is disgusting. It's not disgusting. That would make my life so much better. Why do I say that's disgusting? That's the greatest thing ever. I would definitely appreciate Christmas more if it tastes like gingerbread. What's a spring food? Like, what do you, like, associate with spring? What is a good spring food? Um, (laughs) Oh, it tastes like salmon. Oh dear. I don't know, I guess like a like a citrusy tart maybe. So you go down to the girl's nice and orangey. That wouldn't be bad. Yeah. That wouldn't be bad. What would it be summer? Pineapple. 
Oh, I've never had <laughs> I've never had Dole Whip from Disneyland, but I've heard it's really good. That's like their thing. They have like Dole Whip, you know, pineapple and like whipped cream. That's weird. And no. I I would love for it to taste like that based on what everybody says. And I've smelled it because people like I knew someone who had like a Sensi that had it, mm-hmm. and they got because they love Disney. And I smelled it. I'm like I could eat whatever this Dude, is. It smells so our, good. Our former roommate's obsession with Disney was fucking stupid. It's uh, every fucking girl. Every girl uh, is obsessed with Disney. The uh, greatest. Ah, eh, never mind. Not a girl. The greatest person I've ever dated. I just love how you throw that out there. Like, look, I'm not as bad as I, as I make myself look. I, I'm woke. I love them non-binary broads. <laughs> I love that saying. Such it's a good so saying. great. All um, right, we got without you next. Oh, without you. A goddamn motherfucking 80s ballad that just tries to ruin the album. All right, so then... <clears throat> And then we followed up with some slow, sad shit. It's about Tommy Lee and his girlfriend at the time. Who gives a shit? It's slow and it comes out like a bad diet. <laughs> comes out like the fucking carnivore diet. <laughs> you just shit your pants. Never trust in a fart again. <laughs> God damn it. Without you is... is awful and there's this one point where they put an effect on his voice Uh, as it trails off from i think the chorus it is oh yeah that kind of like chorusy like uh, i like hate it oh it it's awful because the guitar has the same effect on it yeah and they try it and it sounds like they're both fucking going through the same line in the same pedal and i hate it yeah this is awful cookie cutter 80s power ballad. Yeah. This is like some no, Night Ranger bullshit. It's no home sweet home. It is no yeah, home sweet home. Yeah. But they tried to redo it basically. They're like, man, we had a lot of success with that. So even they tried to rip off themselves. Yeah. So this this honestly is like, okay, the rest of the album is so good. I can forgive this one. Yeah. I, I get that now. Um I don't knock them for trying to do a heavy song again, or heavy, do a sad, slow song again, but like... You kind of have to. I mean, yeah, you, you, you need to have something to change pace. You can't make 10 or 11 songs and be like, I can do three more heavy metal songs. You gotta, you, you just, when you're being creative, you're like, I gotta also express my soft side, you know? Obviously, these bunch of fucking cheetah print shirt wearing uh, <laughs> Leather players. clad fucking... Yeah, ha- hair out to here, fucking God! I can't eyeliner wearing, <laughs> fucking <Yeah>. queers. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's uh, this is a this is an, a, a bad I, song. Yeah, it's a bad song. <laughs> it's a it's a eighties power ballad that I'm sure people over the age of forty who grew up in the eighties, like I'm sure there, there are probably enough people out there who are like, this is a great song. I'm sure there's I'm sure some. You love it. Yeah, I'm sure there's some woman in her 40s when she's finally alone in her SUV after dropping her kids off at soccer practice, who has this song come on and they're singing the song without you, and they're just like, "This song gets me. <laughs> Why didn't I have a Tommy Lee?" 
Because you're not Pamela Anderson. Yeah. You're not big enough fucking cans. <laughs> yeah. You weren't on Baywatch. <laughs> you watched Baywatch. Yeah. You watched Baywatch and then complained about body standards. Dude, not back then. Uh, yeah. Dude, so I saw a post today that I fucking agree with where it was like um, people need to stop acting like models are body standards. Like, you know, like, oh, my God, we need to stop with these unrealistic body standards. That's not the standard. Like, that that's the top 1% of people. It's like comparing yourself to Jeff Bezos. Yeah. In your wallet. Yeah, or comparing your basketball skills to LeBron James. Mm-hmm. Like, maybe it's something you could aspire to, like, try to achieve. You know, like, you look at models and you're like, man, with hard work and dedication, I could try to look that good. But uh, that's also not healthy. I, I wouldn't say it's unhealthy. That's no different than looking at LeBron James and being like, man, I really want to practice to be that good. Well, the way models do it is unhealthy because yeah. there's no way to yeah. be that small in, for well, a I, long period I, I, of I would, time. I would say fitness models I'm also lumping in there. Like someone, oh, like, okay. well, yeah, someone like Steve Cook where it's like, man, I want to – Famous fitness model. Yeah, fitness model. Yeah. People are talking about these things they see on on Vogue, not Men's Health. Yeah, but I I would say even like a lot of models nowadays aren't just the skin and bone look, like like Victoria's it's, Secret models. It's oh they they got a little plump. Yeah, they, like they, got, they got they some got some bounce. Oh, they got some fucking they got some some. They got ass. more bounce than a Bring Me the Horizon. So. Yeah, see, I feel like I feel like they get their models from Pog on Reddit. <laughs> Fat well. Pag, <laughs> fat ass girls. Yeah, yeah, they gotta be uh, racially inclusive. Yeah, but I I see what you're saying. Yeah, no, like, cause people like look at the one percent and is like, why is that the standard? Cause they're trying to sell shit first off. That's also not the standard. Yeah, it's not. It's... I have my own standards, and guess what? They're low. That why I'm your best friend. <laughs> I had no standards back then. I was ten. Yeah. Sorry, I was nine. That's, that sounds like an argument a pastor would make. Oh, he doesn't have standards yet. He's only ten. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just okay. We're we're going a different direction now. Yeah. So up next, we got same old situation. Same old situation. So do you know what this song's about? I don't know exactly what it's about, but I'm guessing it's probably about a situation that this person has been in several times. It's about chicks breaking up with you to go be lesbians and fuck other chicks. And they didn't tell the studio that because they knew they wouldn't put the song out there if they did tell them that. That makes sense. Same old situation, same old ball and chain. Yeah. So it's just like, hey, it's still going to be the same thing. You're just going to be eating pie yeah, instead of it, hot dogs. So the uh, – <laughs> It the, does kind of look like a pie now that I think about it. Is that where this comes from? The, the peace sign and – Jesus Christ. So anyway, the uh, the the studio loved it so much. They were like, oh, man, this song's great. And Nikki Six was literally sitting there thinking, like, and if only you knew what the song was actually about, you would fucking hate it. And then they, after the album was released, they said, oh, yeah, the song's about chicks fucking chicks. And the studio was just kind of like, 
fuck. <laughs> Song's already out there. But, like, at the same time, they're okay with the song about doing heroin. Welcome to the 80s. <laughs> chicks fucking chicks? No, 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 no. Heroin? Even, <laughs> yes, please. Even though now lesbian is in the top five of porn categories. I would say it's top three. Yeah. Yeah. Top like, three, but you know there's all these, like, you have yeah. stepbrother, stepsister. It's fucking weird. Yeah. You know, stepmom. Teen has been been number one for, like, the past, like, fucking decade. And that is a problem. (laughs) No, the problem is most of them aren't even teens. (laughs) They'll get a girl, like, that's 24 and just be like, yeah, she could still be a teen. (laughs) Yeah, because it's a look. Yeah. It's a look, and that's what's fucked up. She's got them big doughy eyes. (laughs) Fucking come on her face. You sound like a porn director. Yeah. Would you ever direct a porn? Uh, yeah. Really? Yeah. I I would, dude. I'd hold the camera. <laughs> I would be telling them what to do. Well, fucking. <laughs> do, do you know what my first move as director would be? I would try and like mathematically find like at what percentage of the video does the average person finish, and have at that moment the scene where the like behind the dude ball shot happens. <laughs> You're an asshole. <laughs> Just slapping away in front of the camera. Also, I really hope that you tell the guy to shut the fuck up. <laughs> hey, hey, Jeff, you make a fucking noise, you're fired. No, I'll tell him to make more noise. Just like, <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like John Bernthal in The Punisher. <laughs> <laughs> All right, same, same old situation. situation. Um, Our favorite lesbian porn. It was repetitive as fuck for the chorus. It was, but the verses were so fucking good. They were. Um, this is another great song on the album. They made up for their fucking power ballad. So I'm like, okay, yeah, we had a little blip, but we're we're back on track. Okay, you yeah. know, it's like it's like a trip. And we just stopped off at the rest area, and now we're back on doing 90, going down the fucking freeway. Yeah, you know, you had the shit in a fucking bathroom Wendy's that looks bathroom. like it hasn't been cleaned since 89. Yeah. And... Like, Nikki Six definitely did heroin in this bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> There's blood on the sink, and you're just like, okay, you know, someone covered up a crime here. But yeah, this is a... It's a great song. Mm. Um, the guitar gets a little chuggy. Yeah, it, I, the, I appreciate that. It really gets a, a little down tune down the riff. I think yep. it has some drop C. Um, Possibly. I know yeah. that there's a few songs on here that are drop D. I know Kickstart My Heart is drop D. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, it's it's a it's a great song. They do <clears throat> yeah they do drop it. Um, while it is a very hard rock metal song, it's also a little poppy, and I think Vince's vocals make it a little poppy because yeah. they're very bright and you know same old same old song and dance like it's it's very yeah it it makes it more commercial but not in a bad way yeah it's more stadium rock for sure like i could just see that like being played at madison square garden for sure yeah yeah i agree yeah I no it's it's not bad because because of it but it's definitely like I would prefer without, but it's still good. I don't it's, know. I, I feel <clears> like it, it, it's the Motley Crue sound. Yeah. Especially on this album. Yeah. No, this is definitely their most, like, like 
radio sound sounding album, which isn't bad. Like it, oh yeah, it just is really well, really well produced and well put together, which isn't a hindrance, but it definitely like detracts almost from like what Molly Crew normally was in a way, where they were a more rough around the edges band. But it's still really good. I like it. Yeah, um, they were shouting to the devil. Yeah. Up next, yeah. we got Sticky Sweet. Sticky Sweet, Nikki Featuring Six. Steven Tyler. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> Nikki Six rips. <clears throat> yeah. Or, sorry, Mick Mars. That's what I meant. The intro. Oh, yeah. The intro. He rips into it. He's fucking going. Um... And now that you say that Steven Tyler was in this song, I remember listening to the So Sticky, you know, the, the yeah. chorus part. And I remember it sounded a little weird. And I'm like, this is very Aerosmith-like, Yeah, this song. Yeah. And then I'm like, now that you say Steven Tyler was in it, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Because it sounded a little Aerosmith-like. He was uh, just in the studio, same studio, same time as them, recording his own music. And they were partying, doing drugs together all the time. So, you know, he was like, yeah, I'll do the backing vocals for some of your guys' stuff. And this was uh, one of two that he does the backing vocals on. This song, though, I can definitely tell was written uh, with guitar in mind. Yeah. Because Mick Mars goes fucking off on it. His guitar is epic in this song. Yeah. Which um, really is a... uh, good like sign of like Nikki Six that like he can write like you know with kind of the other members like in mind for like letting them show off their chops basically is Nikki Six the main songwriter of yeah. the band yeah okay. he's the main creative force of the band I'm pretty sure he even writes like the lyrics and the vocal melodies except um, for the shitty ones Tommy Lee does <laughs> without you <laughs> yeah Tommy um, Lee we could have done this without you <laughs> Um, but yeah, so this song's okay. Uh, I, th- so the chorus is... is a little repetitive with it. So sticky, so sticky, but it's not bad. It's yeah. still kind of catchy. Yeah. So I, I, I like it. It, it. It's sticking with the album so far. Yeah. Um, um, but this is definitely the song you fuck to. Like, <laughs> this is the song you finished to. I don't know what you're talking about. So you last, you last this far into the album. Oh, you're right. I'm usually done by Tinseltown. <laughs> Songs of Mary and a half. Dude, I had a coworker ask me if it's normal for uh, their girlfriend to withhold sex from you, and I just like looked at them like, why are you talking to me about this? <laughs> That's always an awkward conversation, because obviously you're in an unhealthy relationship. Yeah. Like, I get that it's, like, his first real relationship, so he has some questions. Like, just not knowing how stuff works in a relationship. But I was just like, yeah, I think you guys need to talk to talk through these problems. Why don't you just stick your dick in her mouth see what happens? Yeah, just just pull it out, you know? Just Hopefully she bites it off, because obviously you don't need that thing. Anyway, so the riffs were fucking fire here is in my <laughs> notes. <laughs> they were. Um, uh, Steven no, Tyler that, finally did something good. It's, uh, <laughs> I would say they have a good song. Dream on. That's your favorite Aerosmith song? Yeah. I think it's the only one I know. Walk this way. 
That's a good one. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, it's that's good. more hard yeah. rock than Dream yeah. On. Yeah, but the, I had there's a lot of good Aerosmith songs. Dude looks like a lady, which is about Molly Crew. Yeah, it's yeah. a fun song. Yeah, though. like if you just like, dude looks like a lady. <laughs> that's stadium fucking rock. Holy yeah. shit. Um, but anyways, like this... Steven Tyler looks like a fucking lady. Shut the fuck yeah. up, Steven Tyler. But I'm not wearing like makeup. <laughs> You have giant lips and long fucking hair. Um, <laughs> you got, you got, <laughs> who's a fucking comedian? Is it Patrice? It's like, you got dick sucking lips. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, they really nailed the like slow, but like, it still has some like fire to it vibe in the song. Yeah. Like it's, it doesn't need to be fast to be like high energy. Exactly. Yeah. That's a good way of putting it. The tempo um, is, is right where is, is a good like fucking song. This is like yeah. where you slow down as yeah. you're finishing. This is a finishing song. Wait, you slow down to finish? Uh, you After you finished and you're like, it's so sticky. <laughs> Oh fucking shit! It's eleven eleven. Make a wish. I wish WandaVision's a good episode tonight. <laughs> I mean, a fucking Barbie is a valley. Uh, I wish that uh, they kill off both visions. Anyway, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> Jesus. All right. Um, she goes down. Oh, the sequel to Slice of Your Pie. I wonder what the song's about. Reciprocation. <laughs> <laughs> you get what you fucking deserve. <laughs> um she um, goes down yeah and I, song my my first my first uh note was down on what uh your dick um uh, <laughs> make mars ripping it up yet again yeah just fucking uh yeah the instrumental work was really good but oh it was, the bass was a it, little more was, present and it was audible. just it was just such a filler song lyrically and vocally like it was just like Hey guys, did you know we're still Motley Crue, that band that has lots of sex? <laughs> Listen to our music. I mean, like at this point of the album, I can't really. I liked knock it. Them. I actually really did like this song. The bass was a little more present, so yeah. it felt fuller. Um, and the solo was really. I don't know if it was a solo or just kind of like a some sort of like filler bridge riff thing. But it was it was very blue. I could tell he used the blues scale, and I appreciated that because he he just worked his way up the blues scale, and I was like, oh, that was impressive. It was, but it was quick, and it was over. Oh, you don't know, like sex, um, like when she goes down. Um, the 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 lyrics were very simple. Yeah, but I didn't hate it. Like they're they're somehow able to do very simple shit but they're not bad like she goes down she goes down she goes down 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 like yeah what is that that's not a lyric apparently it is <laughs> that's a stutter <laughs> dude saw a joke recently i'm gonna share it with you this isn't a joke by me so i fucked the girl with a stutter recently i was able to finish before she could say no oh Oh my god. <laughs> Not laughing. <laughs> Not laughing. Alright, so next <coughs> we got <coughs> Don't Go Away Mad, just go away. I'm I'm stealing that. 
been saying that to so people. This, Don't go away, Mad. Just fucking go away. So this song is actually a quote from Clint Eastwood saying the line in Heartbreak Ridge, uh, which came out in 1986. Um, so yeah, it's actually a quote from a movie. Um, I fucking love the quote. <laughs> and um, Oh yeah, I love the song title. Yeah. It and, feels a little power ballad though. Yeah, it's another slow one. Feels like something you listen to when you're going through a breakup. Yeah, it it but it builds itself back up, and it kind of gets into the it gets back into the electric guitar yeah. and the power chords. Um, it so it ends up saving itself, but it's not any. It's not home sweet home, but yeah. it's not without you. Yeah, it's somewhere in the middle. Yeah, where I'm okay with this song being on the album. Yeah, no, it's. It's okay. It's not my favorite, but it's like it fits a certain like hole in the album better than without you did. Yes. Where it's like here's our slower, softer side. Where without you was just like didn't feel like they were trying to show like, hey, here's our slow, softer side. It was more like a hey, here's a slow, soft song. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, but I didn't want it. Well, you fucking got it. So another thing with the these fucking um, power ballads, what is with the acoustic guitar with the bright, bright, bright tone on it? I hate yeah. it. Yeah, it sounds awful, and it's so it's just like it, it's like two strums every bar. Yeah, and it's like you can't give it a little more fucking you know, couple more up upstrokes. And you know? like it's always like such like a slow strum too so you can really hear each string on the way through. Where it's like yeah. And it's like okay, I get it. You can strum really slow. I'm proud. <laughs> yeah. It but it, it this song does save itself, so it's not bad, but it's not I'm not putting it on a playlist. Yeah. Um, it's not playlist worthy. It's not playlist worthy. And but then yeah. we close out the album with Time for Change. Well, oh, is that the one out. you're closing it out with? Are you, Did you include the demos? Well, there was like demos, and then there was one at the very end. Get it oh, for free. I didn't listen to it. Because uh, <laughs> I would just hit the demos and then start over. Yeah, no, I mean, that's pretty much what it is. Okay. I don't think Get It For Free was actually on the album, but okay. it didn't say demo on it, so I listened to it just in case and made notes. Okay. Um, I'm going to assume this one's about getting sober there, Nikki boy. <laughs> Time for change. Time for change. And here's my note on it. How can a band with the best power ballad not be able to do a good second one? <laughs> I um, mean, it's another fucking power ballad. Yeah. And and what a fucking cliche uh, um, topic. Time for change. Yeah. Yes, I get it. You went through it. But I, I you know, now that I think about it, they were probably one of the first bands to start doing songs about drug rehabilitation. Yeah, because, like, it was either just, like, you live long enough <laughs> to see yourself yeah. become the villain. Because, <laughs> like, you know, like, when you're a rock star, you got to always be the rock star. You know, you always got to be doing the party drugs and stuff. It's like, oh, you're not doing drugs anymore? Well, you're not a rock star anymore. Like, I feel like that kind of went hand-in-hand, hand, definitely, for the era. So, yeah, I would say they're probably one of the earlier ones to be like, hey, yeah, we're, co like, done doing drugs and trying to be better over here now. Let's make music about that. And people are like, what? <laughs> Thought you guys were doing cocaine still. 
<laughs> just like someone in the back of the back of the stadium just like when they start singing the song he's just what <laughs> <laughs> but yeah this is just a a a cookie cutter power ballad 80s song and and it's it's no home sweet home yeah i'm sorry home sweet home will be forever be the best power ballad and and you can't you can't change that poison doesn't have anything on it you know with every rose has its thorn that song will fuck itself god god that's an awful fucking song brett michaels is is an awful person (laughs) i don't know shit about him i just know i hate his music he had like a vh1 show or something like that and he was just a shitty person I mean, like that tracks. I feel like you could argue that point for anyone famous in the eighties. <laughs> I, yeah. I don't think like there's a person that was famous in the eighties where you could look back on their life and be like, "Yeah, I was a good person." I mean, the great, the greatest president, Ronald Reagan. Oh yeah, true. He had no flaws in his run. All no, right. no, he did not. He was he was the the he was the quintessential American man so i'm ignoring ooh. that i almost dropped my phone so yeah right. it's uh yep it's a slow power ballad outro it's whatever so what did you think of the album um i personally really 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 like the album i give it an eight out of ten you give it an eight out of ten yeah, so it's... i really like the album the the i'd say the three power ballads yeah one of them being Middle of the ground, the other two being, I'd say, twos and threes. One was like more just like of an acoustic song than a power ballad uh, without you. It, like, it wasn't like really that, like. Yeah, Time for Change was definitely power yeah. ballad. Without you was more of acoustic. Yeah. And I did not like it at all. Um, I would say that. Those three songs don't like detract from how great. The rest of the album. The was. rest of the album is so fucking yeah. great. Doctor Feel Good, Kickstart My Heart, and those are just the songs that everyone knows. Yeah. Um, the other songs are great. I'd say they're sixes and sevens at least, you know. Yeah. All the other songs at least. Well, Kickstart My Heart and Doctor Feel Goods are nines, if not yeah. tens. Yeah. Kickstart My Heart, I'd say, is probably a ten. Yeah. Um for me, I give the album a seven and a half. Seven and a half. A seven and a half, just because it is that 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 um 80s hair metal in a way yeah it's a little harder than hair metal it's not night ranger you know Uh, (laughs) yeah or um or any of those other fucking bands but it is still really good i think yeah no tons of fun like oh yeah same old situation is a great fucking song i didn't know it was about lesbians that makes me love it even more most of this album is something you drive in a yellow convertible with the top down in, you know? Yeah. Like, it, oh, yeah. it's a fucking fun thing to listen to. Like, you, if you're going to Florida, <laughs> you listen to this album on the way there. <laughs> uh, I guess so. Yeah. All so. right. So. So, we're going to the next album now. So, we pick it out of a hat. It'll be a modern album. I swear to God, this better be I Don't Know How But They Found Me. It's McCartney 3, isn't it? So this coming week, we have the 2020 release by Bring Me the Horizon Post-Survival Horror. I don't know if this is a good thing or not. Um, 
I personally love this album. It's it's what's it e- called? It's an EP. Uh, post survival horror. Not horror, horror. And it is about the pandemic. Nine songs. Yep. Thirty-two minutes. It's got baby metal on it and young yep. blood. Yep. Uh, featuring Nova uh, you've Twins. Listened to... I've, I've featured. I've I listened to the to the Obey, and yeah. I think I like baby metal. Um, I don't think you do, but we'll find out. Yep. No, it's a. What the fuck is this? Okay. Okay. Um. Yep. No, it's a. Probably my favorite release of 2020, so I'm pretty jazzed about that. Um, That's your favorite release of 2020? Yeah, just favorite EP album release of 2020. Um, Yeah, and it was written like toward the start of the pandemic. Obviously, it's about it. So they were able to have a pretty quick turnaround on having a topic and then writing a full-ass album about it. See, I'm glad that I didn't put this out because I wouldn't know what BMTH is. Yeah, you just looked over and be like, uh, "What is uh, Bumf? <laughs> Bumf? So, all right. So we will be back on. When do we release? On Fridays. Oh, uh, yeah, but he'll be seeing it on Friday. So we'll be back Monday with an episode of oh, surprisingly, surprisingly sober. sober, where we'll be talking shit. <laughs> and getting hit yeah and we're about to go watch the new episode of wandavision and yeah. i'm gonna ignore my text from work being like hey, can you come in early no no WandaVision's i'll be on, there i'll be there when wandavision's over so catch us on twitter at surprising twit catch us on instagram surprisingly podcast uh and that's pretty much it because that's all we really care about and, uh, I mean, like, what other social media? What? Parlor. <laughs> <laughs> you know, funny enough, there's probably going to be a lot of Motley Crue fans there. Well, yeah, because it's just so funny how these fucking alt-right people just put these blinders on to everything. And listen to, like, 80s and 90s, like, hair metal and, like, power metal and stuff like that. Like... For whatever reason, white nationalists love Pantera, and it's just like if you t- if you say anything bad about Pantera, just wait for the pictures of dudes sitting in their trucks with no fucking jawline, just to like come up in your DMs, just like you don't know shit about Pantera. Pantera's the greatest band that's ever lived. But no, I'm just like how they put these blinders on and they listen to you know, um, like Same Motley Crue situation, like Nikki, like Motley Crue, who's a, who's a band of drug addicts. Uh, and, and, um, I guess the best word to call them is metrosexuals. Yeah. Cause they dress like that. Yet yeah. They talk shit. You know, these, these alt-right people in parlor talk shit about, you know, gays and, they, they, they and trans like people. Bunch, they look like a bunch of fags. Motley Crue. <laughs> yeah. They love Motley Crue. Yeah. And then like it's most like Motley Crue doesn't like you. Most metal and stuff like that is based around anti-establishment and like anti-police and stuff like that. And being against presidents like Reagan. Like, I would say Reagan was the driving force of most metal and punk. Mm -hmm. So it's like, why do you listen to it then? (laughs) Like, because it's just like, oh, power chords. And then they're like, and then they're like, 
why is music getting so political these days? It's what was it have to be so political? What did you think Rage Against the Machine was? What did you think Bob Dylan was? Yeah. <laughs> Other than a fucking dude trying to sing while having a fucking vibrator shoved up his ass. Oh, I thought he was trying to impersonate like a molested goat. <laughs> <laughs> I hate Bob Dylan. <laughs> Yeah, the, welcome to Surprisingly I Hate Bob Dylan podcast. It's not surprising. Yeah. I think I've said it fucking enough. Yeah. So. All right. So that is. We need to go. Yeah, that is the episode. All um, right. We have about 30 minutes before WandaVision. Yeah, we've got to edit this thing. Oh, yeah, true. All right. We are r slash signing off.